everyone. Welcome to Group Text. There is no genre that today's guests can't shine brightly in. Marina Baccarin has appeared in such wide-ranging projects as the Deadpool films, the TV shows Homeland, Firefly, and Gotham, and even the latest Assassin's Creed Nexus video game. Her new movie, Fast Charlie, think Pulp Fiction meets Elmore Leonard Caper, is a gritty thriller set in the South about an aging hitman played by Pierce Brosnan and his target's ex-wife, Morena, who is the unlikely ally he needs to save his own skin. Fast Charlie is now in theaters and on demand. Morena, welcome to Group Text. Hi, thank you so much. I remember when you were on Fashion Police, which was ages ago, and it's nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you, too. We won't talk about how long ago that was. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't. neither of us need to. How about that? Let's get right into the new movie, Fast Charlie, which is great. So explain to people what it's about. Sure. Um, it's sort of like, you know, that 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 last job that you always know the hitman is going to screw up his whole life, but it's always the last one, right? Uh, so Pierce yeah. Brosnan is a hitman that's sort of wanting to get out of the business. Um, and he's got this one final job. And of course, the guy that is studying under him to take over, completely messes it up and botches the job. Um, and then he has to come find me because I am his target's ex-wife. And the way they ended up killing the guy left nothing to be identified. And the only thing that's left is a butt tattoo. And so I'm the only one who knows about it. <laughs> and I have to identify the body in order for him to check it off the list and say, see, I did the job I was supposed to do. Now I can get out. And of course, it all goes wrong. And we end up going on the run together. And um, I play Marcy, who is a taxidermist who just wants nothing else than to just be left alone at this point in her life. All right. Well, there's there's a lot to unpack that you just said. So you're Marcy and your relationship basically with one wrong guy inadvertently gets her mixed up with what appears to be another wrong, wrong guy. Um, what drew you to play her? I mean, okay, I'm just going to go on the record as we have all dated the wrong person at some point. <laughs> I have quite, I have quite the uh, rogues gallery myself. Um, so did you get to like tap into your earlier years where you're like, look back and go, Oh God, what was I thinking? Of, of course. Like you said, we've all been there. <laughs> um, some more than others, but uh, you know, what I loved about this character was, well, first of all, an opportunity to work with Pierce Brosnan, one does not turn down. Oh, uh, and, and by the way, pretty easy on the eyes every day. I mean, I have to say I was on set with him every single day, other than being a consummate gentleman and a complete pro, I would just stare at him sometimes and be like, how am I attracted to a 70 year old man? But like, he is so, um, he is such a class act and such a smart, caring person. He, he just draws you right in. So there's that. Um, and then of well, course- also my, my, my son went to elementary and junior high school with one of his sons and he would walk into the like parent stuff and women's heads would snap to the point that we needed a chiropractor at the school. I can't even imagine. put everybody's heads back in. I can't imagine what it must feel like to be Keely, to be his wife, who is gorgeous. But, like, it must yes. be so annoying. I think I asked him that one day. I was like, how annoying? It must be so annoying to be your wife. I'm constantly <laughs> seeing women staring at you. Um, but anyway, he's... He's an amazing person. And Philip, uh, the director, also an incredible director. I've been a fan of his since Rabbit Proof Fence, which was a little while ago. Um, 
and the script, uh, you know, this character is incredibly complicated. I love complicated women. I am a complicated woman. Um, and I think that any character worth playing has a, a complexity. Um, and this character, you know, she's been dragged down by a shitty ex and now she's trying to get her life back together again. And, and, and the remnants of her past come knock, literally knocking on her door. Um, she's also a taxidermist, which is something I've never played before. It's really say, fascinating. Is this like, was this like a secret skill? I mean, it's creepy. Those little eyes looking yeah. at you. Yeah, I I, Did um, you... I didn't have a ton of time to do research. So I ended up Zooming um, with a taxidermist who I, I reached out to. And she walked me through doing some of the stuff. You know, she had like a, a bird that she was working on. And it was so weird because you imagine this like gory, like crazy thing. And it's really not like that at all. It's very peaceful and like detail oriented and artsy. Um, and they're usually from the websites and the people that I met, they're very kind of like artsy people. Um, it's It was fascinating. And then there's like a whole scientific aspect to it, right? Of like uh, uh, preservation and research and, and, you know, museum taxidermy and that whole thing. So um, it was a world I, I was unfamiliar with. It was kind of cool to find out about. All right, it's a world is that's a new hobby for you. No, no, thanks. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Could you? And from this role, I have taken, imagine if Daniel Day-Lewis had played it and, you know, he goes so deep, it would be a taxidermist right. for years. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the little creepy eyes. Yeah. The little glass eyed things and they paint yeah. them and they like, yeah, you know, it's, it's really, yeah. um, it's something. Oh, yes, it is. But bless them. They found something they love to do. Um, as I said, you've worked across so many genres and the movie is a little gory here and there. Yeah. And you've done all this stuff with special effects. How different is it when you're on set and some, you know that the prop guys have made something to look gory versus when you see it on the film? Yeah, we have a lot. We dispose of a lot of dead bodies on this film, <laughs> yeah, which is quite funny. And, you know, we're I think the film rides a really it, it's a lot of genres actually mixed in one. And there's a tiny bit yes. of camp in there as well. You know, when we're dumping bodies in a swamp and having a conversation and and I'm at one point, I think we're both in um, like these rubber overalls because that's what taxidermists use a lot of the time. And Like suddenly, like I'm in a rubber overall dumping a body in a swamp. And so it just happens that my profession lends itself <laughs> to cleaning up dead bodies. <laughs> uh, we had a scene in particular where Pierce and I were, we were like on my deck taping up the, the dead body of a guy that came to like, you know, antagonize me. And I ended up putting a beak of a, one of the taxidermy birds I was working on through his eye. So they had to create this like eye thing where like the the bird was just sticking out of his face it was so <laughs> creepy but so cool you know at the same time and then we had to like wrap him up in like a a body bag and tape him up while we're doing the scene and I'm like are right. you okay in there like I'm actually taping up a person that is alive inside a bag while I'm spewing this monologue about travel and, and life and whatever you know it's just very it's very bizarre sometimes what we do well, it's so funny, though, because you have such a different perspective of it when you're on set versus when you see it, especially like with special effects and stuff. My son was by the age of like seven was so 
immune to all of that. Yeah. Because he'd been on the other side of it. I mean, he was the only kid I knew that at age seven would be able to watch the first 10 minutes of a law and order and tell you if the person was going to be convicted or acquitted. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And totally. people would say, Isn't, doesn't this stuff scare you? He's like, no. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. He, knows, he, he knows all the tricks knew. behind it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. So the movie is set in Biloxi and New Orleans, and it looks like a lot of it was shot on location. So what was the actual location, because hot and humid is the hair and makeup team's nightmare. We luckily were in New Orleans. Um, I think it was like April. So we were just at the beginning, you know, of it getting really, really hot uh, and humid. We Towards the end of the shoot, I think we finished in May. It was getting to be unbearable. But I have to say, I completely fell in love with that city. I, I'm from Brazil. I love hot climate. I love that humidity at the end of the day kind of feel that you can sit outside and have a cocktail. It lends itself to a lot of drinking, which was a bit of a problem because after work, you're like, you know, I'll just have a martini or two every single day. Um, and uh, Pierce definitely enjoys a martini. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun to get to know the city. Um, and it's such a character in this film that you kind of, it helped us get into the mood of the piece as well and the accents and everything. So it was, um, it, I'm glad that it was actually local to the, to the place. Yeah. Well, we can tell that you don't have frizzy hair because otherwise you would have been sobbing hysterically. Oh no, I do. In the, uh... I do. That's oh. why we have it back. We have it pulled back for most of the film. <laughs> you know, it was like, how do we find, I think I had like a chemical straightening happen like right before it. Like, you know, we did things to help for sure. Cause that's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. It can be a total nightmare. But it was also a character I, that that didn't really care about her looks that much. You know, um, she it, it was kind of great. I This is the least amount of makeup I think I've ever worn for a film. Um, I had we put on we didn't put any concealer on. I had virtually no um, foundation on. It was just like eyeliner and uh, like a, uh, a clear lash thing and put my hair back and a gazillion tattoos, you know, so that took forever, but it was a really low maintenance um, makeup wise. And that was perfect because in that humidity, there's no way you can maintain like a perfect look, you know? I'm just going to say I've adored you since you were on fashion police and you have now made me really dislike you. (laughs) (laughs) I can be in a movie with no concealer. You know what? End of the interview. See ya. (laughs) <laughs> but she's supposed to look like that. I know, but like, when you look like you, I don't leave the house without at least concealer under my eyes. <laughs> you have okay, to be, you know what? You know what? I, it taught me um, about confidence, to be honest with you. Like, it, you know, we've been accustomed to this, like, thing where women have to look a certain way. And I know in my day-to-day life, I've been very blessed with good skin. I absolutely own that. You know, that's my mom. I have nothing to do with that. But And my mom too. Right? I mean, it's it, we're very lucky that way. But I think also it's, a, it's a, like for yourself, really important to kind of shed some of that stuff and say, you know what? Who cares? I look like a person who's tired. That's okay. I'm tired. You know, I have three children. I was up till 11 and I'm up at six. Like it's just life. And we put these unfair expectations on women to like be perfect all the time. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Like like, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And here's my therapist number. Could you just say it like that to him so he can keep repeating that to me? (laughs) 
<laughs> this episode is sponsored by Via Hemp. Ah, yes, summer, longer days, warmer nights, and the incessant chirping of crickets, reminding you that sleep is a precious commodity. Whether you need to set the mood in the bedroom or just unwind after a day battling the sun, Via has your back. Enter their Rest and Recovery Gummies, a magical concoction of passion flower, L-theanine, and cannabinoids designed to lull you into a state of blissful tranquility. With options for both the THC tolerant and the THC shy, Via ensures you'll find your perfect dosage for achieving peak comfort. Via isn't just about taming the sleep monsters. They've got a whole array of gummies to cater to every whim and fancy with or without THC. And they'll discreetly ship their goodies straight to your doorstep, no matter which of the 50 states you call home. Just sit back, relax, and let Via work its magic. So if you're 21 plus, you can get 15% off a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code. Head to viahemp.com and use the code group text to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's viahemp.com, V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. So I have tried their Zen gummies and I got to tell you, they are amazing. I live in a very sort of continual stressed out state from work to being a mom to, well, just life in general. And the Zen gummies have been amazing for me. Head to viahemp.com and use the code group text to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies, 21 plus. That's viahemp.com, V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. And use the code group text at checkout. Enhance your every day with Viahemp. So this was... James Caan's final film. What was it like working with him? And I'm sure you realize how lucky you were to have that experience because he was brilliant. Yeah, he was. He's incredible. Um, I was very nervous meeting him. It was one of my first days on set, actually. Um, And he looked fragile. He was in a wheelchair and he looked, his skin was like translucent almost, you know, and you can, as the day went on, you could see how exhausted he was getting. Um, So we definitely knew we were dealing with someone's potential final project or almost final project. Um, but he was real. It was an incredible thing to watch him and him and Pierce in a scene together and be sitting at that table with them. His character suffers from dementia. And to be honest with you, I still don't know if he was in character or actually struggling with the same thing at times, you know, he would flub lines or maybe he was improving on purpose like we will never know um and, but it really it really worked and it was a pleasure to watch so we got to talk about firefly and okay. <laughs> spin-off serenity rabid fan base yeah rabid yeah Can till you this day. That? yeah crazy do you still have people who freak out when they see you from that constantly it's so weird to me and because they see it and watch it over and over again, they come up with specifics from episodes and things. And I'm like, I shot that 20 years ago. Like, I don't remember. Um, it's crazy. And I am humbled and shocked by it every time. And it's now getting to be generations. And so people will be with their kids and they're like, this is my daughter, Inara. I named her after your character. Besides, you know, 
me pointing out that they've named their child after a space whore, I do, I am very flattered. Yeah, it's a little creepy. (laughs) When I get over the, "Mm," (laughs) I'm flattered. But it's Um, it's incredible. That's the power of of cults, I guess, cult television and, and, you know, culture. So you mentioned you were born in Rio and your mom is an actress and your father is a journalist. Um, It wasn't surprising in 2019 that you wrote an opinion piece for Newsweek detailing the humanitarian crisis in Venezuela. Um, Were people surprised at how eloquent you were? To be honest, I didn't get a ton of blowback on that. I do get more about just in general, like having the stance that I have towards immigration and posting about it, which I don't read my comments anyway, um, because I find that, you know, if you don't want to, if you don't care what I'm talking about, just ignore it. I didn't get any blowback and I didn't get any, any like snarky comments about it. And if I had, I would either ignore or just fight back because I think it's BS. People can be a lot of things at the same time. I agree. Cause I, people are always shocked that I'm smart. Right. Well, you don't, and you don't get to be where you are just in a bubble, you know, but who we are very often to the outside world and what we do professionally does not necessarily reflect who we truly are. I think when people, you know, when I say, you don't get to be where you are because you're not smart because you are smart. But I, I, I what I guess what I mean is in this is goes back to like Malcolm Gladwell talks about this a lot. You know, it takes hours of practice and uh, hard work to achieve the things okay. that you want to achieve and to be successful. And that takes a smart person, you know, whether you're talking about street smarts or you're talking about intellectual strengths, um, you know, people work who work hard are smart. Yes. Um, but I always find that amazing. And it's, it, and again, it goes back to, I think, in a lot of ways, undervaluing women in the entertainment mm-hmm. industry. It's a very big problem. That, yeah. And, and not understanding that we're smart. I just, I, I love how much attention a woman gets when she writes and directs a film, but a man just wrote and directed a film. A female, like, like Barbie, let's talk about Barbie. You know, Greta Gerwig is an incredibly smart, you know, successful Talented. woman, but yeah. Yeah. And she's been in this industry for a very long time. Why is it surprising that she can make a hit film? You know what I mean? When a man makes a hit film, they just have a hit film, but she has a female driven hit film. You know what I mean? And I, I think it's really interesting how we are having this sort of like moment where we think that we're changing Hollywood and changing the industry. I actually think we're just really pointing out how things actually are. I don't know that they're actually going to change. I I agree with you 100%. So you have three kids, two boys and a girl. Mm-hmm. Which, which is more challenging, being a boy mom or a girl mom? See, I'm a boy mom, so I don't know what it was like to be a girl mom, but the idea of being a girl mom terrifies me. I think it's both. They're both challenging in a very different way. Um, my boys are physically demanding. And um, when they get upset, only I can solve their problems, you know, or like comfort them rather. Um, with my girl, she's so smart and so emotionally advanced that I can't pull out the same old stuff. She really requires, I call it being an emotional ninja because <laughs> she, and she's just like me. She doesn't want to be vulnerable, 
But when she finds herself vulnerable, she wants help, but she doesn't want to ask for it and she doesn't want to take the help. So it creates a very complicated dynamic and you have to kind of like, <laughs> you know, figure it out together. Um, so I would say the being a girl mom is much more emotionally challenging, whereas being a boy mom is more physically challenging. How old are your boys? Uh, the oldest is 10 and the youngest is two and she's seven. So she's right in the middle. Yeah, the 10 year old get ready. The smell fairy is going to start arriving. Fairly we were soon. talking about that this morning. <laughs> oh, the smell fairy, as I like to call it. <laughs> we were talking about well, the smell yeah. fairy. We were talking, I was like, you know, pretty soon you're not going to get away with not bathing for three days. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. And your daughter's going to rule the roost. I'm sure she already I'm sure she's already bossy with her brothers. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I understand because boys are very physically demanding and my son's an athlete. So it was really physically demanding. They also, what I've found just a little, little knowledge from a 20, having been a boy mom for 22 years, boys get grumpy and cranky and don't talk. Mm. where a girl you'll know is upset because she'll hurl herself across the bed and sob hysterically. Right. When the teenage years come. Yeah. The boys get very much like, fine, fine. Right. right. They're not fine. Just um, bury it. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, and also the man, the man cave starts the- coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you met your husband, Ben, while you're both working on Gotham. Being a two-actor family in a relationship can be heaven or hell. Um, sometimes both. Which which is it, and and how do you correct either? It's actually both, truly. Um, a lot of therapy together to figure out how to talk to mm-hmm. each other about it, truly. Um, I think, I believe we're in the best possible version of what it could be. I, I've been in relationships where it hasn't worked. Um you know, we try, we have this rule where we have to allow the other person to do whatever they want professionally that, that feeds them because they will be a better parent and a better partner. And so obviously within reason and within the constraints of our family and what's going to work fast, early, this movie is an example of that. I had to be in New Orleans for four weeks or something shooting. And at the time the baby was one. So it was really, really challenging. Um, the kids were in school. They couldn't come with me. They came to visit a few times. Um, and for a moment there, Ben was like, no, like we, we can't make this work, you know? And it's not like this is a huge studio movie. It's not even for a great paycheck. Like what, you know, and I was like, well, this is a role I really want to play. And so then we had to work it out, um, and figure out how to make it work. And it did. And it was really hard. Um, but you know, it's not, and he would say this too, it's not the same for him, right? It's not the same conversation. He literally can go anywhere and do anything at any point, because if I'm home, everything's okay. Now, if we're both working, obviously he's more limited, but he's also had this amazing, um, he has an amazing perspective on work in general. And he's been able, you know, he wrote a book this last year and he's been able to do other things than just act. Um, because I think he's, He's much more of like, you know, he's a smart guy. He's an alpha male. He's not going to sit around and, you know, being an actor sometimes can feel very, he can infantilize you as a grown ass man, you know, and he has other aspirations. And so it's been really amazing to support each other in like different realms. Uh, And let me tell you, being the wife of an author is actually harder than being the wife of an actor. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, because they go in and close the door and and, and work. Yeah, they've got to work. He's got to write and he's the only one responsible for it. You know what I mean? And it takes up a lot of space in his brain for not a lot of money. You know, nobody becomes a millionaire being an author. Um, so, I mean, unless you're really, really lucky, but it's, right. it's really unless tough. You're Stephen King. Right, exactly. But uh, the kind of writing he's doing is not putting three kids through private school. <laughs> got it. And are, does he let you read? Are you a good editor? for him? Yeah, we, we definitely share that with each other. Um, I don't, you know, he, he definitely has to get to a certain point and then to be able to, to share it with me, but we do collaborate well together. Um, and I think are supportive of each other's work. Uh, we give each other ideas. Sometimes you need that sort of outside perspective, um, of somebody who knows you well to be able to like crack something. Well, Marina, Fast Charlie's now in theaters and on demand. Thank you so much. Always even if it's few and far, far between, nice to see you. You too. Hopefully it won't be another few hundred years. <laughs> A Huda Media Production.